Hey there, I'm Hilary DeCesar, and you're about to listen to episode number 32 of the Silver Lined Relaunch. Today I'm going to take you on a roller coaster of emotions, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, a heart-wrenching story, but the most inspirational heroine. The conversation starts off light, but soon you will understand why my friend Kelly Benninger is remarkable. You will hear how quickly a moment in time can change the trajectory of one's life. But by going through grief and not around it, she found her new way, a way paved with gratitude, meditation, and feeling the energy that's always there even when somebody leaves this physical room. And the biggest silver lining, Kelly came to the conclusion that she, as well as all of us, are meant for bigger things while on this earth. And she founded Lucky Day Animal Rescue in Colorado. This combined her passion for animals with her love of philanthropy. And she is now leading the charge as president of this amazing nonprofit. So keep your heart open while listening to this episode. It will have you realizing, as Kelly says, there is no set way to deal with grief. But even in the darkest moments, authentic gratitude can make all the difference. And now, our conversation begins, and so does this amazing story. You're listening to the Silver Lined Relaunch, and I'm your host, Hilary DeCesar, award-winning entrepreneur and transitional coach. Each week, I'll invite you to tune into inspirational stories, revealing how you too can turn ordinary experiences into the extraordinary. Feeling stuck? I'll share step-by-step strategies to fuel your ability to experience a life where silver linings are both abundant and possible dog that already has a name do you have to keep the dog's name no in the beginning i thought you did but you so don't you can change it to anything in fact if they come to you and they have any negative connotations with that name i suggest total change it like if it was oscar don't go with oliver go with bentley you know like really change it because you don't want them associating with anything negative or if you just want a name that resonates with you you have to like the name you're the one using it okay so i always tell everybody change it my treat a high value treat like liver treat chicken and just say the new name and treat 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 and they get a new name what's funny my ex-husband rescued him too (laughs) (laughs) rescued a dog and the dog's name was my mom's name judy and I said, you cannot, you can't have your dog be named Judy. So he did, he did change it to Stella, but it was really funny for a while there. And every once in a while, you know, I would talk to the dog. I'd be like, Judy, Judy, Judy. Uh, okay. So if and we're not sure if we're going to use what we just used as a little like segue, if you're catching us midway, you are in the conversation as it's taking place. This is the Silver Lined Relaunch, and we are so excited today to have Kelly Brenninger with us. And Kelly and I go way back. She actually has, I, I, 
I've, I've heard her name for years and years and years because she's a dear friend of my brother's from college. And then we were able to see each other recently again, went on this fantastic hike, started talking about life and about relaunches. And it just seemed full circle to have Kelly on here with everything that she's been through. We're going to hear her story. And so Kelly, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, Hillary. <laughs> I love I love that you're here. And what's even better for those that are watching this on video, she has got this little poochin on her lap, which is a poodle and what's the chin for? Japanese chin. Japanese chin. Uh, AKA the dog's name is actually Arturo, but she does rescue. And we're going to talk all about that as well with, um, is it dogs only? No, we are all. Okay. okay. So we're going to talk more about that also, but if you guys could see this dog, oh my God. Part of my healing relaunch. Foster's oh. like this. Oh Oh God, you guys, this is a dog and it needs a couple surgeries. And I and think at the home. end, we're going to, yeah, and a new home. And we're going to, how old is it right now? Four months. Four months. Oh, you guys, I'm telling you, this is the pup for you. <laughs> All right. So Kelly, oh, I got to just take a deep breath because you have truly had probably what I would view as one of the hardest relaunches that I've talked to in terms of, um, you know, friends as well as others that have come on, come onto the show. And the reason that when we were hiking and talking that we really felt it was necessary to have you on now is that you're, you're contemplating writing a book on it and you're talking more about more and more about the story can you share a little bit about what what really, uh, you know, what's what what's happened to you? Well, first of all, I wear my heart on my sleeve. So forgive me if I get emotional. It might not, but it's always a possibility. Um, so I was fortunate enough to meet the man of my dreams, my soulmate, my best friend. Like he and I were just meant for each other. And we um, were married for 20 amazing years and he was um, an incredible, amazing, like I can't even express what an incredible skier and person he was. His name is Hansi and he was a ski racer, but also a teacher and, and he was like a ballet dancer on skis. I'm not kidding. People would comment all the time. He had the cream of the crop clients and um, it was, he could, he could ski better than he could walk. So just to preface. So he, um, it was his passion. He loved, loved, loved skiing. So he took my son, who was 12 at the time, to Park City for the first ever boys trip. And it was just the two of them going skiing. And he was on cloud nine. He called me from the chairlift. And he was like, bluebird day, best snow. I am so happy. And we had a great breakfast and dinner. Mm. He was a big foodie, so all about food. And he said, um, I am so excited to have this day with Max and we'll be home for Sunday night roast tomorrow because I had been on a work trip in New Orleans and my daughter had actually been in Cuba on a trip. So we were all reuniting the next day. So we got off the, you know, very loving, love you, love you, you know, great. 
get off the phone. And then, I don't know, time is a little tricky, but not long after my son calls me and he says, mom, dad's hit a tree. And I was like, what? Like Hans doesn't hit trees. Mm. Like he was pushed off the side of a cliff. I won't go into details, but he said, um, it's bad. And I was like, oh shoot. Okay. Well, Emily and I will come because I thought maybe he broke his leg and my 12 year old can't be like, so we were already packed from our trips and I grabbed a bunch of loose fitting clothes for Hansi for his broken leg. Right. Mm. So we get in the car and we start driving and my son calls me back and he's like, mom, it's bad. It's really bad. And so in my head, I'm thinking, worst case, he's going to lose his leg and be the most amazing right. one-legged gear on earth. Like this is Hans. Like he's mm. the salt of the earth. His mm. legs are solid. He's strongest person you'd ever meet. I'm like, don't worry, Max. We're on our way. We're coming to you. And there was no flight. So we had to drive it was an eight hour drive. And he's like, no, mom, it's really bad. So and oh, Max is how even. Max is how old at that point? Twelve. He's twelve. Right. So this was yeah. approximately about four years ago. Four years ago. Yeah. It was just yeah. before his thirteenth birthday, but yeah. he was oh. it was um 2016. So um my sweet daughter Emily and I are in the car driving and I'm thinking, you know, gotta get to Park City to help Max and Hans and we'll meet him at the hospital. You know, all of a sudden an officer calls me and he says, Ma'am, pull over. And I don't know, but there's a moment in life where you, I just got my back up. Like I just felt chills. Mm -hmm. And I was like, don't call me ma'am, first mm -hmm. of all, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I got really, and I go, and I am not pulling over. I need to get to my son. And he's like, no, I need you to pull over. And I said, I am not pulling over. And the next thing you know, my sweet 12 year old baby boy's voice gets on the phone. He grabbed the phone out of the officer's hand and he said, mom, dad didn't make it and I went into shock like to hear it from my son and in hindsight Max didn't want a stranger giving mm. me this news so even as a 12 year old mm. child who's just watched his dad die he knew in his heart he had to be the man and be the one mm. to tell his mom and his sister and we were on bluetooth so it was speaker so I'm driving 80 miles an hour down the highway and I hear this sound and it's earth shattering and I never heard it before. And I'm like, what is that noise? And I, it took me a minute to compute. And I realized it was my 15 year old daughter sitting next to me, just wailing because oh she was just releasing this new, the grief of this news and the shock and panic. And I, it kind of, shocked me back into, I don't even know if reality would make sense, but just, okay, I have to get to Max. He cannot lose his mom and sister. We have to stay safe. And so we just kept driving and I just told her, you tell me the speed limit and I'll set cruise control because I didn't trust myself. And um, we drove to Park City and we had a kind of an interesting teaching moment on the way uh, briefly. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just following Google maps. And so we were out of gas. And so I had to pull in mm. and I'm in some random town and I am just foggy. And I flip a U-turn in the middle of this little town. And this guy honks at me and flips me off and is pissed mm. off. Cause I pulled a thick move, honestly. Mm. And my daughter was like, ah. and I was like, you know what? Cause she was 15 and a half. So she was 
driver's permit. I said, you know what? Don't ever forget this moment because Mm. when you're driving and somebody does something like I just did, Mm. remember, you don't know what Uh, that moment, you don't know that they heard the most earth shattering news on life. So Mm. she tells me she still remembers that, you know, because she was an up and coming driver. So I remember thinking, you know, okay, so we get there on the way I call my family and they're just incredible. My brother, who's my dearest close friend and my dad were in Hawaii in Maui Mm -hmm. and Hillary, the next thing I know they're at my hotel room in park city, Utah Mm -hmm. there, my sister and brother-in-law who I'm super close to. I adore in new, um, they live in Santa Fe. They showed up. I don't know. Everyone was rallying. But all of a sudden Mm -hmm. I had all this love around me and all and support Mm -hmm. But honestly, the worst was yet to come because I then was tasked with having to call Hansi's family. And I'm incredibly close to them and I adore them with all my heart. And to tell a mother that she has just lost her only son that was her golden trophy, like her prize baby, um, was the hardest thing I think I've ever had to do. And then I had to tell my sisters, my sister-in-laws, and that moment was just earth shattering. I've never felt such a deep grief and despair. And um, it's hard to go from so happy to your world just upside down and shattered in such a split. A A short amount of time. I mean, instantaneously. You know, he was there, he was having fun, he called you. And the one thing that, and I don't know if you want to go into the details around it, but what struck me is, you know, it it wasn't just he got pushed off. He was actually trying to do an act of kindness by, you know, trying to make sure that this person that ended Can up pushing show him. show him, Hillary? Show him. So I mean, a little bit of the story for anyone listening he got off the chairlift. They both got off the chairlift at the top, a very, very top area, expert skiers, both of them mm-hmm. ready to go down. And my Hansi said, Max, you got to stop for a photo. This is mm-hmm. phenomenal. We're on the top of the world. Stop to take a photo of him. And while he's taking a photo, this out of control snowboarder comes flying out of nowhere and knocks Max over. Well, Hansi was a teacher and such a, um, it was so important. It was such a protector. He was a protector of all of us. And so that just sent his father and protection going. And he hated out of control skiers because he had such a deep love of the sport. He didn't want people causing that kind of hit. So the guy then goes down and knocks over a lady. And so now he's like, I got to go give this guy a what it's for. Like, right. He takes like, enough after. already. This guy has now just taken out my son. Now he's taken out this woman. Who else is he going to take out next? And he's out of control, just <sighs> speed demon. And so Hans takes off after him. And being a World Cup ski racer, he is fast. And so he's gaining on him very quickly. Well, my son is also an exceptional skier growing up in the mountains. So he takes off after his dad. He rounds a bend and sees this guy, this out of control snowboarder, literally push him off a cliff going 60 mm. miles an hour and straight into an enormous tree. And it's so like mind boggling to think his thighs were just trunk, tree trunks, like mm-hmm. the strongest thing on his body. And 
it severed his femoral artery and he probably had three minutes. But he said to Max, um, first he said, call ski patrol. And then he said, don't leave me. And so Max, incredible Hillary, stood up and waved and there was ski patrol, like right there. And so he stayed with Hans while he passed, although he wasn't, he didn't know it at the time. And ski patrol was on and flight for life came, you know, like Max did everything in his little power. Um, you know, so yeah, he, he, he died doing what he loved and also protecting, you know, who he loved. So there's something in that one. I mean, I know, right? Every time, every time I hear it, it just, it, it, it gets me. I've said it a thousand Yeah. Times. And it's beyond, um, you know, I think that probably everyone listening is just like, you know, mouth open and it, just the worst of the worst. And it's, uh, you know, only knowing you the way I know you now, I, I, I think it's so fortunate that your kids have you as their mom and this incredibly loving, nurturing, just, you know, female presence that, you know, kind of matriarch now of the family, but it, it was not, you know, you're here now because you've focused on yourself, you focused on your family. How did you, how did you, how were you able to go from there to where you are right now? Well, for one, it's definitely been a journey. Mm -hmm. It's been a journey I did not have a blueprint for. I did not expect, I didn't plan for. So it took creating a new blueprint for sure. Um, It's funny how you said my kids are lucky because I feel like they are the ones that saved me because there were times where I didn't even find joy in being on this planet anymore, but I could never leave my beautiful children and would never. So grateful for that. Um, interesting about that is time, as I said, is, is a funny thing, but my brother drove us back to Aspen and um, to our home. And it was very surreal to be here without Hansi. And I cried a lot. I mean, little soft tears, sobbing tears, full um, panic attack tears, whole body wrenching tears. Like I am, I cried, I cried and cried and cried. And what one point my brother said, you have got to stop crying. You have to pull yourself together for your kids. Like they are watching their mom cry and it is so hard on them and you have to stop. And it was one of those moments that I kind of had this epiphany that, oh my God, it's not that I need to stop crying. I need to explain to them what's happening. So I had a very pointed conversation with Emily and Max and I said, look, I am crying because it's the only way I know right now how to release some of this grief. And the grief is so overwhelming that it has to come out. And at the moment, I don't have any other tools to let it out. So right now, tears are what is helping me. And I said, so when I cry, don't let it scare you. Don't let it worry you. Just know I'm getting a little closer to my healing because this is my release. And I also said, look, you don't have to cry. That's my way of releasing grief. Because I think sometimes when you're in this situation, you're expected to act a certain way. And I really believe there's no right or wrong way to release whatever it is you're going through grief on any level. Like my daughter in the beginning, she was really bottled up. And I was like, 
we all have to find our own unique ways of processing our emotions and our our deep pain. And for me right now, it's crying. And I said, I will move through it, but you got to you know, hold, you know, so we learn to sort of hold space for each other. So when I cried, they would just sit next to me. They weren't trying to stop the tears or make it better or make it go away. They're just there, just a presence. And I did that for them, you know, more importantly, obviously. Um, Emily is the most deep thinker, beautiful soul. And she is an artist like her dad was an exceptional artist amongst other things. So she took to writing and is just the most amazing writer. Remind me to share a poem I have on my wall here uh, that she wrote. It is way beyond her years publishable. Mm. Um, she took to art. So she did a lot of artwork, a lot of late nights. That was her way to express. Um, Max had a lot of PTSD, as you can imagine. So he, oh, we did get him a I counselor. Can't even imagine that little boy going through little that. baby. I, I just wanted to hold him. He was just, it was, but he's such his dad that he, he's remarkable. Um, he's his own person. He's not his dad. He carries a lot of his dad's essence. I should say. So we did get him a counselor, but he didn't want a twelve-year boy. He doesn't want to sit and talk about his dad's death and what happened. He needed a release. So they went golfing and he taught him how to play the guitar and he wrote songs and he cried. He's more, a little bit more like me in that sense is that we would just hold each other and cry. But we also, Hillary, crazy enough, we learned to laugh and that was also a release. We, mm -hmm. um, our family was so blessed to go spend a year in France. And so um, we traveled to 11 countries during a year stint and we did the most fun things. And that memory was so vivid in our minds because it wasn't long um, before Hansa died. And we would recount, it took a while, wasn't mm -hmm. right away, but we would sit around at dinner and talk about funny things that happened in, in our time overseas. And we found ourselves sometimes laughing almost crazily like we would just <laughs> barely laugh almost inappropriately because it was just another way to let some of this pain out and to remember him and to you know bring him back into our world and and to never forget him um so definitely you know you talk about release and that just happens to be one of the first steps of the relaunch effect of going through any type of of major relaunch, right? And for what you went through, there are different ways to release, right? As you said, for you, it was the tears, but then the, the laughs come. And, and then for others, it might be, and I remember when, you know, my mom passed, my brother and I dealt with it very differently. Um, I was much more willing to accept and understand what had happened and he was pushing back still like you know how could this happen how could this happen but whether it's you know they, they talk about stages of grief and I remember looking at this and I'm like you can't put anything about losing someone especially in the way that you lost Hansi you can't put it into a stages oh it's, I call it, bullshit on those stages all the time oh. right, right there with you there's no right or wrong way. It's just different ways, you know? Absolutely. And, and when, I, when I look at even a relaunch and, you know, whatever, whatever you're going through, 
sometimes, you know, people need, people need to jump ahead to go back, mm -hmm. to jump ahead again. And then eventually they've maybe, you know, hit those stages mm -hmm. and if they haven't, as you and I know, and the, the people out there that have experienced loss, you realize that mm, you eventually are going to go through that part of it, but your journey is definitely unique. Your journey is, you know, you talk about, you know, the purpose of why you're here. And it really is this kind of concept of the cause and the effect and the cause of something that's happened, but it will lead you to the effect that you can have on yourself, on others around you. And you have just, I mean, I, 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 after we spent hours walking that day, I just thought to myself, you know, what an inspiring, like, and the word just seems so not right, right? Inspiring, just, you know, you can be inspired by a lot. But when I think of inspiring, and I think of like an inspiring sunset that just is like, it, it fills you to the bone. I think that that's what and that's why I said, you know, you really have to write your book. You have to share this because your unique perspective on what's happened can, you know, God forbid, others don't have to go through that type of situation, but we all are going to experience loss. We all know that that is inevitable. You can't avoid it, but you can, you can determine how you're going to handle it when it happens and to have that solid foundation. And I really believe you had so many incredible years with your husband. You had such a deep love. You had, you know, the, the connection to him allowed in the passing that you're still connected. Always. Well, I think something you said really resonated with me is that you have, in my personal opinion, you have to go through it. You can't go around it because it's funny how people are, but in the beginning we were overwhelmed with food and, and gifts and people wanted to help. And, and that's part of the reason I wanna write the book is to help people who are maybe not going through grief, but are trying to support someone that is. And all this stuff would come every day, including alcohol. And one of my closest friends would be like, here's some sleeping pills and you know this, you know, some downers to help you numb. And I was like, what? Mm. For me, and then I kind of went the other way where I wouldn't even take an aspirin. I didn't drink any alcohol, no drugs. Like I just wanted to feel it so that I could get through it. And I just had this feeling that I have to go through this pain because people for years go around it. And then it, grief has a funny way of presenting itself again. And I feel like if you don't it, go through it, acknowledge it, feel it, experience it move on you're gonna it's just gonna keep showing up again and keep showing up again and so I was prepared to go through the the middle so that I could get to the other side and I it was feel not, it feel it to get through it, feel it. and <laughs> you know and all I know of the things you don't want you don't want to feel but you got to do it no doubt. and I feel like there's sometimes where you can get stuck in that pain and that's a good time to you know shift so that you don't get swallowed up by it but I, so it has to, for me, had to be in little bits, you know, like sometimes it would be so overwhelming. I had to take a break, but that's how I found joy again. Um, 
little by little, very, you know, very slowly. But one of the things that my grief counselor helped me with was moving, physically moving. So instead of sitting there on the couch talking about how sad I was and despondent and gut wrench, we would walk in nature outside. And the sun and the mountain, I happened to be blessed to live in a gorgeous place. So we would just walk and walk and walk and cry. But the movement of physically making your body move really helped me process it and let it, it was another, like a next step crying and then movement. And that was super helpful for me. Nature, being outside and talking and moving and, you know, that was- They talk about changing your state, right? That when you get out of that place, like you said, you're on the couch, you're like, oh, you know, you don't want to, but if you can just, you know, make the move to get your body in motion, moving just a little, it literally changes the environment around you, which allows you to have that state change, which then, you know, you have different ways to look at it. Like you said, nature, Nature is just, it gave you, it it fueled you up. And I believe just, you know, walking with you, I can see that you still get so much from that. Um, What else, what other, I know that you became very passionate about that little, little poochin in your arms. When did this kind of passion and you realizing, hey, I, I need to do a little bit more than just what I'm doing. When did that, when did that start to happen? Wow. Well, I think there were a couple steps. One, I all of a sudden was very fascinated with death and the other side and what happens when you leave your body. So I got really passionate about learning about that veil and what energy does when it's, when it leaves your body. So I believe energy just changes shape. It doesn't ever disappear. So I knew when Hansi's physical body died, he was still, his essence was still so powerful. And people would call me and say, I had this dream or I had this experience or I was thinking, so one quick story. So one a beautiful thing about my darling husband in our marriage was he was an artist and always, as I mentioned, so in, we both loved coffee. We, st- I, we, I love coffee. So in the morning, he would come up to my bed. He'd get up really early. He was an early riser. And he would make a, a co- bring me a coffee. But it wasn't just a coffee, Hillary. It was a cappuccino with a heart in the foam on the top. Of the like that was just Aww. his thing. He was an, he would just, that's just how he was. So in the morning, I would wake up like a little girl excited for my my latte with my heart on the you know every single morning and I looked so forward to it like I would just wait and it would kind of just be the most delicious way to start the day so when he died one of the things I missed so much was this cappuccino and you can't just tell people you know I miss him the cappuccino because it was about so much more so I didn't talk about it but it was very real in my world every morning when I wake up it would remind me He's gone because I didn't have my. But you didn't have it. Beautiful gifts. So, um, during the first stages of being back home, people kept telling me, "Kelly, you have to call Allison Daly. You have to call Allison Daly." And I didn't know her, and I'm like, I don't even know who that is. They're like, she's with Pathfinders. It's grief counseling. I'm like, ugh, I can't. No, no, thank you. So I didn't. Well, what I didn't know is everyone was calling her, saying, "You've got to call Kelly Brenninger," and she was like, "I need her to reach out to me." 
she has to want to, right? So people were bringing us all these things. And sometimes you just didn't want to face whoever was at your door. So the kids and I had this sort of turned into a game that we, a car would pull into our driveway or a knock at the door and we'd all duck and hide because we pretend we, we weren't there so that we didn't have to. So it was like, it was like Pavlos, like literally knock, boom. <laughs> and so this happened for the longest time. We would just hide. So one morning I came downstairs and I was having a sexually hard morning and there was a knock at my door and I don't know why, but I walked right up to the door and opened it. And there was Allison Bailey with a latte in her hand with a heart. <gasps> and she said, Hansi told me to bring this to you. Oh. And I crumbled. Like, I didn't know her. Nobody knew this. This was our private thing. And I literally, at that moment, knew he was still here helping me. And he was still such a part of my life. And I just lost it and she was kind of like what <laughs> like she, she's like it's no, just she didn't understand the like, significance she didn't get that whole idea in. of the veil is so thin veil is so thin and I could tell you bore you all day with stories like this and so she came in p.s we are best friends we still see each other all the time she's godsend saved me um but that was sort of my first so then I talk to mediums and I went through the whole thing and that gave me a lot of um, reassurance and that made me feel such a different view on life and what it really did was make me remember that being on this planet in these bodies is such a gift and we I don't want to waste this gift with not living life to the fullest and having full expansion so I um, realized you know how much he is supporting me and wants me to love and to laugh and to have joy and to be creative and to write. Um, and I had an animal rescue foundation that I had well before Hansi passed and I had taken a break from it because I needed the healing. And I dove back in and I found that giving back and being in gratitude were just two things that were another step in my healing process. And even today, when I, if something is bringing me down or something sad, or I just had an incident happen, and if I can go to a place of gratitude, I think it's for me the fastest way to raise my vibration. Not to be too woo woo, but it just brings me back up and it makes me um, want to be in a new space, you know, and, and not to waste any more time. Um, you know what's really interesting with what you're saying? Um, that whole veil conversation. And we talked about this, that um, two years before my mom passed, I had a real, like, just, you know, people say it's a hit. People say that, you know, it's a download, whatever, but that I needed to understand more about energy and afterlife and death and what it all means. And thank, thankfully that I was able to do that before my mom passed, because I, I was very, like I said, I was comfortable with it. Yes, it was incredibly sad, but I did feel, as you said, that energy leaves the body. It doesn't, it, it just changes shape. And I loved how you said that because I really felt the same thing. And when you talk about gratitude, um, I have a uh, part of the company is I have this group 
of um, fantastic women. And this month, I decided to do a early in the morning and I grab my tea and I just, you know, go live in this group. And this is the gratitude, you know, month. And it's literally these little five minute, just very fast. And I thought about it today and I'm like, you know, to have that attitude of gratitude is it needs to be stronger than your pessimism and your dissatisfaction. And if you can get there during the day where you have more of that gratefulness coming out, then you've had a really good day. Well, and I think it has to be, it 100% has to be authentic gratitude. It can't be, oh, I love life when you don't love life. You have to find something that you're truly authentically with your heart grateful for. So sometimes I go broad if I'm like, I can't be that real and specific. So I'll be like, I'll wake up in the morning and I'll just say, I'm so grateful for my bed or my mm. soft sheets or the sunshine or this little puppy or my dogs who are my besties. You know, something that's really truly brings me joy and gratitude because I tried that like, oh, I'm grateful I had 20 years with Hans, which I am, but there's sometimes I'd be like, yeah, but I got gypped out of, you know, the next 40 or whatever. Um, so I, I, I found that was an interesting. That's uh, a great example. You, you have, you know, it's that teeter totter. It's that yeah. polarity. It's that, well, yeah, I have this much time with him, but I wanted that much time. Yeah. And so that's where, have, that's where that one little thing, one little thing on that other side of the gratefulness just to make the day because it is so easy to go to that like oh side this sucks and this is terrible and I just want it and why is this happening and the other thing that I would be remiss by not bringing up because it has been key instrumental for me personally is meditation I meditated lightly before Hansi died but now I am it is part of my life and it can be 10 minutes. It doesn't have, I don't sit there and, you know, Zen pose for hours a day by any means. I went through that phase. I mean, I had to kind of go through the journey, but now I, in fact, I have this awesome group of college friends. There's six of us. And we, when this COVID hit, we started zooming and just to kind of have a connection when we were all on lockdown. And so uh, one of my girlfriends, Sydney and I both were into meditation every day. And it didn't have to be talked about, but we just did, you know, our Deepak Chopra or Esther Hicks or whatever. And so we brought it up to this group. And so the six of us then started doing one of the Deepak uh, challenges. Mm -hmm. And then every week we would meet and talk about it. And we are still doing it. And it is like been this amazing, fun connection of these college friends that now we're all on our different paths and different journeys and we're getting different things, but we're all connected in a whole nother kind of deeper way. And it's, it's been um, super I fun. So love that. And yeah. have you found that when you first started, it was a little bit, it, it was a little out there and you were like, oh, this feels uncomfortable. <laughs> this feels awkward. <laughs> you have no idea. Like, I was like, okay. in Scottsdale, Arizona <sighs> to learn about life after that. I mean, I, I've been on a journey, let me tell you, and you know, finding what works, but, and there's some some stuff that works and some that doesn't but once you find your path it is just it's such a good way for me to reset my mind and to get in a, a quiet space and I find a lot of creativity happens in that quiet space 
absolutely. I find myself now, like, when you sit down, want, like all of a sudden I'll be like, yeah. ding, ding, ding. And like, oh yeah, I got to do this. Or, oh, that's the right person for this. Or, you know, whatever. Sorry, sorry, little boochin. I'm moving around. But, um, anyway, it's been, um, I find that super fun. But now I find I, I would spend more time in meditation, if I could, I mean, I love it. Too. Like I I'm like, it. it's the greatest place Even ever. Even if I'm traveling, I will find a spot <laughs> in my hotel room. I will go outside. Like I, my AirBot AirPods are my best friend. I just pop those in, and I can go oh, anywhere. It's I am so telling fun. you, I'm like, I'm just excited. I'm going. I'm going to be getting on a plane today, and I'm thinking, oh, that's going to be an hour of just me, like being able to shut my eyes, and I'm totally, I'm like excited about it. So I agree, but let me tell you, that did not happen overnight. I mean, that has been, you know, a journey for me as well. So. Okay. I, I, unfortunately, we do have to wrap this up and it's we so, talk so all day. I mean, and we do. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, so I want to know how can people find you, support you, love up this little poochin in your arms. If there's, you know, a means for donation around so the two cute. little surgeries oh, yes. where, you know, and, and I will put this in our show notes so that people can, whether it's, you know, I know that this, this pup is going to need surgery here in the next, what you, what, three, four months, but then, but, but then other dogs and others. So no matter, you know, these shows live into, you know, perpetuity. So I want to make sure people can always get in touch with you and your, your So grateful. That is beyond words, dear. I um, started, I'm a founder of Lucky Day Animal Rescue of Colorado, and it started as a little grassroots, just a few of us that were animal lovers, and it has grown into an amazing organization that I'm um, executive director, president of, and I couldn't be more proud of our team and our work, and uh, one of the things we do is adoptions, and this little guy came from a breeder. Um, they were going to euthanize him because he has two bad knees, but he has the most delightful personality, and presence and joy, joy, joy. Everyone that meets him just wants to eat him up because look at him. Um, so <laughs> there he is. Um, so he needs six to $8,000 worth of surgeries, two knees, a bent femur. So we have funds, you know, that we set aside for special cases. Um, so lucky day, luckydayrescue.org is our website. And there's donations. That is our biggest help. We have a senior dog that spent nine years in a shelter in a six by nine metal cement pen. And we pulled him out and now he's soaking in the sun and sniffing and loving life. So he had a lot of medical needs and, um, you know, issues that we've been. So we do try to help the special needs ones when we can. Our one caveat is we, we don't take aggressive dogs. So there's so many, um, you know, special needs ones that we try to sneak in as much as we can, especially when he's sleeping right now, but I promise you he's like puppy oh, love. He's so okay, so that was lucky that was luckydogrescue.org. Lucky day. Lucky day. Lucky day. Lucky, lucky dog. Lucky day. It gets confusing. Lucky day. Um lucky day This is my logo. Can you see that? Oh so that's my dog. Yeah. Oh little black dog black dog. So um yeah and it's lucky day uh, rescue.org is our website. So. And again, we'll put that into the show notes and Kelly, I mean, and this little guy needs a home uh, and we'll put a picture. We'll put a picture. Hypoallergenic. We'll put a picture. Perfect. 
so cute. <laughs> but I just want to say thank you. I mean, I'm just so blessed to have you as a friend and I'm glad that we're connecting here and I'm glad to be able to share your story with so many people because I know that there are a lot of people that this resonated with, with your your courage and your inspiring words and some of the things that you said really hit home for me too. So thank you, thank yeah. you. And I'm happy to help anyone in any way I can. If there's anyone that needs to talk or, you know, go through it, I'm, I'm uh, always here. So thank you, Hillary. Absolutely. Can't wait Thanks. to hike again. Me too. Thanks again, Kelly. All right. Have a good week. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you felt a connection to this episode of the Silver Lined Relaunch, please head over to iTunes now. It would mean so much to me if you would leave a good review and help others find Silver Linings as well. And don't forget, you can have immediate access to all of the bonuses and notes from the show today in our treasure chest which you have access to for free by texting 55444 and typing in treasure chest. Or you could go to our private Facebook group, The Relaunch Effect, Living a Life You Love. Together we've hit the reset button for you, turning your transitions into a transformation. Until next time, don't forget, there's always a silver lining.